God, what can we say to that except thank you? Because apart from you, God, washing us, we would be still left in our uncleanliness before you. We would still be unacceptable before a holy God, but God as a holy God who is, who is so compelled by his love because you are love, that love overflowed and we are benefiting from that love. When you sent your son to die for an unclean people to make them clean so that they could experience more so and deeper so your great love, what can we say but thank you and say that with our lives as well as our lips. So God, help us to do that. And now as we continue to worship God, I pray that you will take the words that I have to say and, and that they would be yours, that you would move me out of the way if you need to. Help me to speak clearly this morning as we uh, look at the scripture. And God, would you speak through your word? Let your spirit take what's in the scripture and in the picture of the life of Jesus that we are gonna see this morning, and would you let your spirit take it and apply it to each of our lives as only he knows we each need. So that when we walk out of here this morning, God, we will have encountered you through your scripture, by your spirit, and we will be changed because of it. These things I pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, we are, uh, we're gonna continue in Mark this morning, so I wanna give you a chance to go and grab your Bible if you have one. Uh, and turn to the book of Mark, chapter 6. If you need a Bible, there should be a few on the rows in front of you. It's going to be page 1138 on that Bible, if you are looking at the Pew Bible, page 1138. Book of Mark, chapter 6. And uh, when you get there, we'll start with verse 33. As you're turning there, let me, uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever been in a spot where uh, you felt like God was asking you to do something, maybe to reach a certain group of people, uh, to, to jump into a certain type of ministry, or, or to do something that when you thought about it, it just overwhelmed you? I mean, I've had those moments where, where I'm placed in a situation and I become aware of the needs. You know, I, and I'm particularly, right now, I can think of the chaplain ministry. The moment I step on base, I become responsible for 3,000 uh, active duty personnel and their families. So double that, maybe, about 6,000 people. When you start thinking about numbers, and you think about being a chaplain who's responsible for that many people, that's overwhelming. You know, because at any given moment, it, you know, if, if all of them were to have an issue at one time, that becomes, a, that becomes an overwhelming thing. But then also as a chaplain, one of our goals is we want to be able to provide and minister to, uh, in my case, the airmen on, on the Air Force base. And there's no way we can meet 6,000 people's needs. Absolutely no way. There's no way we can, and we, we're, we're a chaplain staff of, of two active duty and then me, uh, there's no way when I'm there, three chaplains, that we can meet 6,000 people's needs. You know, when I, when I moved here and I, I started taking on the pastorate here, that was one of my, my, uh, my overwhelming prayers was, God, give me great wisdom to lead and great humility to go with it. Because it was so overwhelming to think about what God wanted to do and how we were going to get there. When you start thinking about how God leads you to take over a, a position or sticks you in a spot where he wants you to reach people, maybe there are people you've never considered reaching. Or maybe you've been feeling that burden where, where God's calling you to reach a people that makes you uncomfortable. I don't know if I have anything in common with that type of person. 
Or maybe you, you're placed in a new job setting, and so you've got a new group of coworkers that now has become, as a follower of Christ, your mission field. That can be very overwhelming, especially with your own, your own life stuff going on. And so this overwhelmingness has the tendency to paralyze us. And we have an option at that moment as to how we decide in the face of overwhelming needs of people and, and overwhelming uh, possibilities and potential to reach people with the gospel. We, we have a choice. We could say to God, well, I don't have the capacity to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. God, those needs are so great. I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the human resources to do that. Physically, I'm unable to do that. We can come up with all of our limitations because as we look at what we bring to the table, all we see is limitations. But when we look at what God brings to the table and wants to do and minister through Christ in us, all of a sudden those limitations become possibilities. And so open up with me to Mark chapter 6, verse 33, where we'll look at and see what's going on with Jesus today and his disciples. What are they encountering? And then we're going to see how we fit into this this morning. So Mark chapter 6, verse 33, and we're going to go through verse 44. Now, before I start reading, you remember that Jesus' disciples have just gotten back from their mission trip. You know, he had sent them out two by two, and they come back, and they're excited, telling them what, what's going on. And, and there's a crowd demanding from Jesus to, to minister and to heal. And so what Jesus says to them is, come away for a little while. Come, come to a private place. So they've just gone to that private place where Jesus is intending to refresh them, to listen to them, give them rest, give them time to eat. And we see this in verse 33. But many, meaning the crowd, Many saw them leaving and recognized them, and they hurried on foot from all the towns and arrived there ahead of them. As Jesus came ashore, he saw the large crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he taught them many things. When it was already late, his disciples came to him, and they said, This is an isolated place, and it's already very late. Send them away. And they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said, should we go and buy bread for 200 silver coins and, and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. Then he directed them all to sit down in groups on the green grass and so they reclined in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. He gave them to his disciples to serve the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the broken pieces and finished, and, and fish that were left over in 12 baskets full. Now there were 5,000 men who ate the bread. So Jesus says, come to this quiet place so we can refresh, so, so we can sit and listen and you can eat. And, and the crowd that he's been ministering to sees them leaving, recognizes who's getting in that boat, and so they take off running around the lake and they actually get there to the, to the other side of the lake before Jesus and his crew does. Now, put yourself for a moment in Jesus' disciples' shoes. You've just finished days, weeks maybe, where you have been sent out and you've been traveling. And, and I know some of you travel a lot, and it's exhausting to travel. 
And, and can you imagine traveling, and, and we travel, and we pack, and we live out of our bag, and if we're staying long enough, we unpack, and we, we put our clothes in the, in the hotel uh, you know, closet or whatnot, and we kind of live, but it's not your place. And, and you can't just come home and, and just settle in like you normally would. You, you can't really rest as well as you normally do when you travel. Uh, most of us don't sleep very well. But can you imagine being these disciples when Jesus said, go out, and he told them, don't take anything, and said, you're supposed to just rely on the hospitality of other people. And so they've been doing that for weeks, bouncing from town to town, staying in other people's homes, eating other people's food, and they've been sharing the gospel message that Christ has been sharing, the good news that God has sent his son and that the kingdom is close. And maybe they've experienced some rejection at some point, and I don't know if you've ever experienced any kind of rejection but it takes an emotional toll on you. Even if your, your faith is strong enough to know they're not rejecting me, they're rejecting the, the God whose message I'm giving you. I mean, that's great and that's good, but man, I don't, I don't know how you get around not feeling some emotional drain when you get rejected and when you come up against confrontation. Humanly speaking, it drains us. So can you imagine having some of that perhaps and you get back and you're, you're excited because here's Jesus and you're ready to tell him, but man, you're, you're kind of done with people for now. Maybe you kind of, you've kind of poured out and, and all you really want to do at the moment is tell Jesus what you saw and what God did through you and the things you got to teach. You want to tell him that one story you know that you had in that one town. But these people, there's just a lot of need and Jesus, seeing that that was going to take him away, invites you to come along to a private place. And so you, you kind of get excited. Yeah, good, finally, I'm going, to have a, I'm going to have a moment with Jesus, me and my mentor, me and my, uh, my, my friend Jesus, and we're just going to get refreshed. And so you're looking forward to it and you're anticipating it. And as you pull the boat up to the shore, you see the same crowd. You start recognizing faces and you start to realize they just followed us across the lake. Now, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm all for being honest up here. And so here's how I would feel when I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I've just poured out. And this has nothing to do with me not loving people. It just has to do with me being tired. I would be done. I would not in that moment want to see a crowd. I would want to have some time away. And especially, now I'm an introvert. That may surprise some of you, but I'm an introvert. I learn to be extroverted, but I actually need time alone to get recharged. I actually need some downtime away from people to get recharged. And some of you can identify with that. Others of you just think we're weird because you're extroverted and you can't imagine not being around people because that's where you get your energy. But here's how I would be feeling if I was the disciples. You have got to be kidding me. Can we not have a break? I mean, I just want to eat some supper, you know? Can you guys just hold off for a little bit? I would have felt like this was an interruption. I mean, I'm just being honest with you. Now, I pray that if that ever happened, that God would supernaturally, you know, empower me, absolutely. And I would be praying, God, if this is what you want me to do. I mean, so don't get me wrong. Don't hear me up here saying, um, you know, people are an interruption to me. Because that's not at all how I feel. But I'm telling you, every one of you, just like these disciples and just like me, if you have been pouring out on in without rest, you're gonna need some downtime. And that's where the disciples were. And it doesn't look like they're gonna get it. So if I were in their boat, ha-ha, ha-ha, mm, okay. If I were in their boat, I would say, yeah, you guys got to wake up a little bit here. Uh, I, would, I would feel maybe like that. I'd be tempted to feel like that. And I'd be, I'd be maybe looking to Jesus to say, you're going you're gonna to shoo them away for a little while? Where are we going to go now? That's why it is such a surprise when Mark tells us how Jesus responds. Because it's not at all 
how most of us would respond. And so you look at, at chapter 6, verse 34, and Jesus sees this crowd. But it doesn't say that Jesus then got back in the boat and took his guys across back to the other side. It doesn't say he told the crowd to go away. Jesus came ashore and he saw the large crowd and he had compassion on them. He looks at them and he feels pity. Not like a, oh, you know, a condescending, oh, poor you pity, you know, like bless your heart, you know. We all know what that means when someone says bless your heart. And it's not necessarily a good thing, right? It's like uh, we're pitying you in a condescending way and uh, you maybe just did something really dumb. Oh, bless your heart, you know, and that's what that usually means. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus' compassion is nothing but authentic. It's nothing but real because he looks at the people and he doesn't see an interruption. He doesn't see people demanding of his time and draining him. What he sees is in verse 34, he looks at them and he sees sheep without a shepherd. He sees people desperate and hungry for leadership. People who have not had leadership all of a sudden getting a taste and they want more. Now, have you ever eaten something that just tasted so good and you got full, you know, physically, but it was so good you just had to have more? See, for me, there's some fajitas in Houston, Texas uh, at a place called Lupe Tortilla. And they're beef fajitas and they make their, 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 their homemade tortillas, you know, but it's the meat, you know, it's the beef that's marinated in lime pepper Something. I mean, it's just good, right? And, and you go and you load that fajita up. And I mean, I mean, I've eaten good fajitas here in Oklahoma and in other places. But I'm telling you, when I think fajitas, that is the standard right there. Lupe tortilla. And those fajitas are so good. I mean, it's like they put crack in those things. Because <laughs> as I keep eating them, I've had number three. And when I fill up my fajita, I don't know about you, but one or two pieces of meat is not going to cut it for me. I want my fajita with four and five pieces of beef. And I want that red in the middle of that beef. Okay, now some of you are just going to disown me right now. But that's how I eat my fajita. And then I load it up with rice and beans and guacamole and cheese and onions. I mean, it's so big it's busting, you know. And I eat like five and six of those things. And by the time I'm ready to walk out, I am in a food coma, right? Now, Mexican food already does that to me. When I eat those chips and salsa and when I eat the tortillas, for some reason, I just get really tired. But that's what those fajitas do to me. They're so good, I just want more. And it doesn't matter if, if it's time to get up and leave. I want more. These people have tasted something so good, something they were so deprived from. And I gotta tell you, I haven't had those fajitas in about two years. I'm going to have a chance here soon to have those fajitas. I'm a little concerned about how I might respond. <laughs> like these people, I might be so desperate and so hungry and, and, and have missed that so much that I might just go over the top. Right? That's where they are. They're longing for what tastes so good. They want more. What Jesus has been giving them, they want more. When you come across a group of people, and this is true today, that lacks leadership, and you put a leader in the midst of them, they know it, and they respond. And it all of a sudden, it will bring life back to a dead group. Uh, it could be at work, it could be at a church, it could be in a group of people. You put a leader where there has been a, a void, and people get a taste of that, and they want more. And people will follow that. 
And that's where these, this crowd is. They've been shepherdless for so many years. In fact, go back to the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel, one of God's prophets to, to the, the southern kingdom of Judah. And, and God says through Ezekiel to his priests and his, his pastors of the day, hey, you are not feeding my people. You are not leading my people. You're only caring about yourself. And so in Ezekiel chapter 24, God actually says to the preachers and the priests of Israel on that day, there's coming a day where I, God, will be my people's leader. Do you see what's happening here? Jesus, God in the flesh, God in a bod, is standing right here among his people and he sees sheep without a shepherd and he chooses to stay and shepherd them to shepherd his own people. God shepherding his own people. And it says, and he taught them That's not my response, but that's the response of the Savior. How do we respond like that when it's not something we would naturally do? Because to me, that that really goes beyond my ability in in some cases. I mean, there's times where I, you know, if I'm not so exhausted, sure, maybe I might respond like that, but I'm telling you, if I'm in those disciples' shoes, I wouldn't respond like that. So how do I get to that point to respond and to reach people in a way that goes beyond my ability. Jesus wants to teach his disciples that same thing. And so we go on in our story here this morning, and in in Mark chapter 6, we go on in chapter 35, and what we see is Jesus has then had the crowds just kind of surrounding him, and he's been teaching them. He's been teaching them all day, and it's getting late. And so so maybe these disciples, they've been over here, and they've been, okay, well, what's the master going to do? Oh, he's going to teach them. Okay, well, that must mean maybe later, maybe when it's time to eat, then we'll get our time. Okay, so then they, they suck it up, you know, they, they get extra energy, and they're supporting him, but now it's getting late, right? The sun's going down. These people have been here for hours. They just came right across from the lake. They haven't had a place to eat. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's in a desert region, but there's some grass. And so the disciples decide it's time to advise Jesus. Hey, Jesus, it's getting late. Uh, maybe Jesus kind of lost track of time. You know, sometimes... Preachers and teachers do that when they get up and start preaching and teaching. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Who was that? I know who that was. Yeah, see, we see you look at your watch, you know? We see you kind of discreetly go, right? But maybe that's what they're thinking. He's lost track of time, right? Someone needs to go, who's the favorite? Oh, John. John, you're the one who always lays on his chest. Hey, go. Peter, no, you just don't know how to get it right, Peter. Just go, you know? And so maybe that's how it went down. But either way, the disciples go to Jesus and they say, hey, it's getting late. Why don't you send these people to the surrounding towns so that they can get something to eat? All right. Great. Good words of advice. People need to eat. You're looking after the care of people. You've kind of provided some advisement to your, to your leader here. You kind of expect your leader to say, oh, yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, all right, let me wrap it up and then we'll send them out. Instead, what Jesus does, again... A surprise. He says in, in, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 36, they say, send them away, go so that they can go to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy something for them to eat. Verse 37, but Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, I think we probably all would have responded the same way. And the disciples, they kind of get a, this incredulous, uh, you know, feel to them and, and they, they start speaking in like, I can't believe you just asked me that. And so they say to Jesus, 
Well, what do you expect us to do? Are we supposed to go and buy bread for all these people? It would cost like 200 silver coins. 200 silver coins is about half a year's wages. You'd have to work half a year to get 200 silver coins. And they're looking at him going, are we supposed to go and buy food for all these people? Now remember, they're just coming back on a mission trip. Do you remember that Jesus told them not to take any money, not to take any provisions? So they don't have money on them to begin with because they weren't supposed to take any. They're just getting back on their trip. And so Jesus says, you feed them. It's, it's, it's an incredible statement and one that, that Jesus intended to teach the disciples to go deeper because he knew their response. He knew they can't feed that many people. But as with Jesus, like he often does, he's about to take them deeper. And he's using the shock factor. You know, I don't know. Some of you like to do that. I like to do that sometimes. I just say things to shock people. You know, I got, I got a kid in my family who does that. Just likes to say things to shock people. He gets that from his mother. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. As I just admitted to you that I like to do that too. We both like to do it so the kid had no hope. Um, so I think sometimes Jesus raises issues that he knows is going to be, it, it's, an, it's an incredible thing to ask, but he's doing it because the response is going to create an opportunity to teach. And so they say, what are we supposed to do? Go get the bread for these 200 people? And so Jesus says, why don't you go take inventory? How many loaves of bread? So they come to Jesus. They say, we can't do it. We don't have this in our ability to do it. And then now Jesus says, all right, what do you have? Bring to me what you have to offer. They go, they look, they have five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus says, all right, go ahead and have them sit down. Sit them down in groups. And then he takes the bread and he prays in front of everyone and he breaks the bread and it starts to multiply. And then he, he look with me now at, at um, chapter 6, verse 39. He directs them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. They all, so they all reclined in verse 40 in groups of hundreds and fifties. 41, he takes the five loaves and the fish, looks up to heaven, gives thanks, and breaks the loaves. And then he gives it to his disciples to serve the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Jesus takes what they bring to the table. He multiplies it. And then he sends them to pass it out. Jesus is taking his disciples who bring to him an inability to reach all of these people. And when they take what Jesus has to give and then they distribute that, all of a sudden their inability to reach all these people becomes a possibility because Jesus is now ministering through his disciples instead of his disciples saying, we don't have the ability to do this, Jesus knew that. What he wanted them to see was that they needed to trust him to provide. And when they trusted him to provide, he did so. And he did so abundantly. So you'll look with me at verse uh, 42. They all ate and were satisfied. They ate and they were filled. So this bread, five loaves, two fish, Jesus multiplies. The end of our, our, our text this morning tells us there was 5,000 men, not, not, not women and children. That's not like men in the sense of people. That's men in the sense of males. And then on top of that, you would have had any of their wives that would have been with them, any of their kids with them. So we had at least 5,000 people because you had 5,000 men. But then you had whatever their number their wives were and their kids were. That number could be 
at least double. And Jesus, from five loaves of bread and two fish, is able to provide for all of them, and not just so they get a little snack, so that they eat and they're satisfied. If those disciples had gone out and bought bread and fish for the 200 denarii that they needed, those 200 silver coins, it's unlikely that they would have had this, the amount of food to fill people up. But when Jesus ministered through them, and when they took what Jesus had to offer, and they distributed that to the people, people were satisfied. And I think it's intentional that Mark wants us to understand it's not just physical that people are satisfied when Jesus provides. It's spiritual. Because when Jesus provides and you are nourished by what he provides, it satisfies the deepest parts of you. You're not left wanting. Some of you may have just thought of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When God provides, you're satisfied. But it took his disciples realizing that they could not reach all these people. And you know, this, this group of people, uh, the crowd, the crowd really represents a whole lot of other people. The crowd represents a group of people that are, that are sort of kind of on the fringes following Jesus, but they're not, they're not in like the disciples are. The crowd represents a group of people who are lost. The crowd represents a group of people who are desperate and thirsty and hungry for leadership who are desperate and thirsty and hungry for what God alone can provide. So Jesus uses this moment when the disciples realize their inability to reach these people in their own capacity. Then he shows them that if they minister what he has, if they let him minister through them, then all of a sudden what was once overwhelming becomes possible so much so that people are satisfied. And so I, I would sum it up like this. If you want to reach people, if you want to reach people, or your, if you want your ability to reach people to increase, it will so as you realize your inability to do it on your own. Your ability to reach others will increase as you realize your inability to do it on your own. So the disciples come to Jesus and they could not reach all these people with, this case, food. Their ability to reach those people increased as they realized their inability to do it on their own. Because it was in that moment that God, through Christ, was able to say, now let me do it through you. And do you know that's exactly how we are supposed to live today? That, that God calls us to reach the entire world, really. I mean, as, as Christians, as the church, God calls us to go into all of the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey. That's all nations. Now, you bring it into our local congregation here and God calls us to be missionaries wherever we're at, in our workplace, in our schools, in the gym that you work out in, in the store where you shop. Just every day where you go, God calls us to be missionaries. He calls us to reach people. And, and sometimes that can be very overwhelming because when you think about reaching an entire town or when you think about reaching a group of people that you've never really liked to begin with, boy, that, that seems like an impossibility. But your ability to reach others will increase as you realize your inability to do it on your own. 
You see, Paul in Galatians chapter 2, Paul got this and Paul lived this because he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Paul realized that it was Christ living through him, Christ ministering through him. It's the very life that Christ gave him that then he would then minister through to others. It's the very life that, that God has given us when we place our trust in Christ that he wants to also then use to give to others. It's the very, the, the, the very reaching of those people that he has to do through us, but he wants to do it through the power of the spirit that he gives us. And it's the spirit that ministers the love of Christ. Because as you, you realize that when you place your trust in Christ, one of the things that happens is you're baptized in the spirit, which means you're, you're united to Christ. And then you're indwelled by the Spirit. That Christ, God gives you the Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And because you've been connected to Christ by that same Spirit, then as you, as you submit your life and you yield it to that Spirit living in you, then the Spirit is able to take the love of Christ and let it flow through you and reach the people that God wants to reach. But if you come to God, and if I come to God and I say, God, I can't reach those people. I can't reach that neighborhood. I can't reach this type of person. I can't start that ministry that you're asking me to start. I don't have the capability. If we do that, it's likely what we're doing is operating just on our own. And when we operate on our own, all we're going to see is our limitations. And there's a lot of them. But if instead we come to Christ and we say, I can't, but you can, so do it through me, all of a sudden our ability to reach others increases because we've realized I can't do it on my own. And he does it through us. I don't know if you've ever had moments where uh, you, were, you had a task before you and it was to reach people or to share the gospel with someone or to teach a class or you were just placed in a position where you were overwhelmingly aware of needs and you were overwhelmingly aware of your inability to reach them and you just broke. I don't know if you've ever had one of those moments. I have a couple times. Those moments are good moments. They're, they're painful for you and I but they're good moments of growth because it's when we are broken and it's when we realize I can't do that that God says, now I can use you. Now you're ready to let me work through you. And so this morning what I want to ask you is what is it that God's asking you to do? Who is it that God's asking you to reach? At your work? In your school? Your classmates? on your campus, people you interact with uh, day to day? Who is it that God's asking you to reach? Is it a type of people that God's asking you to reach that, that maybe others want to just kind of stay hands off, but God's kind of giving you a burden for them? Who's he asking you to reach with the gospel? Who's he asking you to minister to? And where are you now as you wrestle with that? Are you in a spot where you're saying, I can't? I don't have the resources. I don't have the skills. I don't know how to teach. I don't have the money to do that. I don't have the time to do that. What is it that you're seeing as your limitation? Because your ability to reach others is going to increase as you realize your inability to do it on your own. Maybe it's time that instead of saying, I can't, I don't have this, I don't have that, it's too big for me. Maybe it's time for you to say, God, if this is what you want to do, you're going to have to do it through me. 
and I can't do it on my own. See, because I think God wants to do big things. God's a big God. I think God wants to do big things through you, through me. I think God wants to do big things through this church. You see, I think we all time, all too often we just settle for something that we can do in our own strength. You say, you know, we're going to gather up as a church and we're going to, you know, we're going to reach El Reno and we're going to reach Calumet and the surrounding areas and we kind of set goals for ourselves and if we're being honest, the goals that we set, we can do in our own strength. Give it a matter of a couple weeks, a couple months. We set goals that we know we can accomplish. We, if we set goals that we know we can accomplish, I would beg to differ that those are God's goals. If we catch a vision for something and it's, it's not bigger than what we are, it's not beyond our ability to do, I'm going to challenge you on whether that's actually from God or not. Because I think God wants to give us a vision to reach people beyond our ability. Because when he does it through us, there's no arguing that that was God. But if we only set a vision and we only set, set goals that say, this is, this is what I can do in my own strength, what's the temptation? I did that. I could do that in my own strength. And it, and, and it leaves no room for us to praise and glorify God for what he's doing. God wants to do big things everywhere. This is not, this is not some church growth preaching sermon thing. This is, this is God saying, God wants to say to his people, he wants to do big things. I mean, do you think when he told his disciples at the end of, 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 of chapter uh, 28 in Matthew, when he says, go into all the nations, do you think that was a small thing for 12 people? Go into all of the nations and make disciples. Of all the nations. They were in Jerusalem. One little, little dot on a sliver of land. And God says, I want you to now reach the entire world. That's big. That's beyond any one person's ability for sure. That's beyond any church's ability. That takes God working through people to reach others. God wants to do big things through you, through me, through this church. And he wants to do it for his glory. Not yours, not mine, not ours. Not for the name of Houston Church. He wants to do it for the name of Christ. Your ability to reach others will increase as you realize your inability to do it on your own. So Father, um, easy to say, hard to do, as many of the things are, God, I pray that you would challenge us this morning, that your spirit would, would cause a burning in someone this morning. Maybe you've been laying a burden on someone's heart to reach someone, to reach a group of people, start a certain ministry, to go on a mission trip, to become a missionary somewhere. God, whatever it is, um, you've been working on people's lives to do that. I pray that you would make them aware of that now this morning and that you would let your spirit take this message this morning and apply it to their lives as you want to do. And that you would, you would bring them to an understanding and a realization that what seems impossible to them is possible for you. But the places where they lack the resources and lack the ability is exactly where you want to bring in your ability and do it through them. Paul told us in 2 Corinthians that it's in his, it was in his weakness that God's strength was made perfect. God, that's what we want to see is that your strength being made perfect in our lives. And that can't happen if we hang on to pride, if we hang on to conceitedness and vanity, arrogance, 
boasting in our own strength, trying to do things in our own strength, trying to reach people in our own strength. God, we want to see you at work. And we want to be a part of what you're doing. So make us aware of our weaknesses as we come before you this morning. And then God, meet us there as you're so faithful to do and then minister through us so that we're to become vessels for your love to overflow. God, I know there's some this morning who, who are not yet followers of Christ. They're not, they're not yet sure about what it means to trust, trust Christ. And so they're just here listening. And, and God, I pray what, what you would show them this morning is Jesus' compassion on the crowd. That you didn't look at a person who didn't have it all together, a group of people who didn't have it all together. You didn't look at them and, and count them off, dismiss them. You didn't look at people whose lives were messy and say, I don't have anything to do with you. Instead, you looked at them and you said, I have compassion on them because I know they're in need of what you had to offer. And so God, I pray for, for those this morning who are maybe considering trusting Christ you would open their eyes to the gospel, the good news that you sent Christ to die for them, to die for sinners. That he came and he lived a righteous life and he died and he rose again in our place, taking on our punishment, satisfying your wrath so that you could say, I have compassion for you. God, I pray that you would open their eyes and open their hearts like you did for Lydia in the book of Acts so that they would respond by faith to your great love pour down on us in Christ. And that it might be for their salvation and for your glory. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And so let me dismiss us. We can't move without God. We can't reach people and do the things that he wants us to do without him. He's a big God. And he wants to do big things beyond your ability and my ability and our ability. So go now and do big things, trusting God to do it through you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.